Welcome to the Dirt to Dollars podcast. Hosted by Central Kentucky Extension agents, Whitney Carmen, Daniel Carpenter, and Matt Adams. Where we talk everything from the dirt on your land to the dollars in your hand. Welcome back to Dirt to Dollars. It is the week of October the 18th, and we're recording it early in the week. It's Tuesday afternoon. We're on the ball this week. Yeah, and this might is have a, a little something to do with being together, though. It's a it's a destination recording, isn't it? Yeah, we're like at an exclusive we're location together, but we're apart. We're, yeah. <laughs> yes, that's true. So we're all in different hotel rooms in the big metropolis of Paducah. Mm-hmm. I'm in a different hotel though than you all, so we are actually. Yeah, Daniel and I tried away. to we tried this tried to save a few bucks, and I think Whitney got the better internet. So if we sound a little weird, there well, we go. Yeah, you get what you pay for. I guess. Are y'all saying you're cheap? Not like fertilizer prices. Pretty frugal. much, yeah, or frugal. <laughs> We are for Rugal. Responsible. Yeah, but we're we're here. Yeah, we're here though. We're together though, because we're first time in person, I think, having an AR update in what two years, I think, that we've had this. So I it's good to see everybody. Yeah, every year we have these. It's kind of a annual get together of agents from um, I guess the western part of the state is where we're at. There's east and a west. Um, Ag and Natural Resource A&R update. So have you all, today was day one, the end of day one of this uh, little get together. Got one more day left. Y'all uh, heard anything interesting or talked about, you know, some of the, I think we split up some today. Yeah. Yeah. Hold up. Before we get into that, we all kind of flew in and made it by the skin of our teeth this morning. <laughs> we sure did. Why are you telling tales, Matt? <laughs> We had to sit in the we front. We all had to sit on the front row. I know. <laughs> I don't like, I don't sitting, like in the front. sitting on the front row either. Uh-uh. It's like being late for church. Yes, and you get called out. You get called out. So well, we you can't sit, sit in the, the back. Row. You can't sit in the back when you get here at the last minute. But we have. We even had the luxury of the the time change. You know, we're of course me and Matt. We're in a Eastern time and going into Central time, so we actually gained an hour, but we still mm-hmm. had to leave really early yeah. this morning to get there just right on right as the thing started but maybe our definition of first thing in the morning was a little different than yeah else's. i don't know i don't know i wasn't going to be no, getting what, up much earlier or, than maybe, that. <laughs> or maybe it was, had something to do with uh the western kentucky parkway having 47 miles of road construction going yeah, on that's what it is felt that like that infrastructure bill is that what that is doing that we're, <laughs> we're finally updating the wk parkway and you know that and then i don't know what my maps decided to do because i was co-pilot this morning i rode down with another agent and it took me as soon as we got off one of the exits it took us south instead of west and so I, we had to divert and that added another 10 <laughs> minutes and i don't know it was of course once again rolling on early morning it was it was not fun and i don't like being late so it was i didn't enjoy sitting in the front row either well we weren't late we were on no time, we weren't we were on but time. they did right. they did have a little bit of breakfast before it actually started which gave us a little bit of time to get in there and we just were the last ones to pick our seats and had to sit in the very front but we were i think we were on our yeah. best behavior we were paying attention we only 
sent a few jokes back and forth and maybe a laughed in front of everybody <laughs> um, or tried to hold in laughter. I off two or three times. Yeah, once. Once. I don't guess I heard it. I was on the other side of you. Mm. So. I didn't snore. Well, like I said, I, I think there was quite a bit of information. Some of these things can be a little info overload, honestly, but I guess we kind of started out with water quality and ended up with some weeds updates and water quality plan. You know, I guess they got the down and dirty early, but it was more or less just saying, hey, if you're doing your ag water quality plan, you've got an online version you can do nowadays. So they were kind of informing us about that. And it is a CAPE requirement. Sounds like the old version, you can't do it like that anymore. That's the way I understood it. What what else did you guys, uh, I guess the biggest thing was probably the, the pesticide update. What did you guys get from that? Yeah, I think there were several things that they brought up in the pesticide meeting. Um, one thing, and, and I don't think there'll be too many uh, locally that'll be real familiar with this product. Um, and y'all can correct me if I'm wrong, but we did have a, you know, everything's getting canceled these days. Um, but we actually had a pesticide that's being canceled and it was a little unique because I think a lot of times these pesticides kind of get slowly uh, removed from, you know, some sort of phased out. You can still have it and use it if you still have it. Um, but this particular pesticide got completely canceled. And, and I think, um, you know, there's no tolerances for it at all on any kind of uh, food products. Um, some of y'all may be familiar with Lohr's ban. Um, don't ask me to say the active ingredient. I think it's like chloropyphrios. Chlorophos. Sure. Chlorophos. Yeah, that's it. Um, and you said that perfectly. So, yeah, that, that product has been canceled. So if you have um, if you have some of that, uh, you probably need to be contacting. I think I think you contact the Department of Ag and, and have it disposed of through their amnesty program um, is the way I understand that. So there's probably not many of you with this product, but if you do have it and you got questions, um, let us know. It has several different trade names. Uh, but probably the most common is, is what you said, Matt, or, or Laura's ban. So if you have those products, um, you know, and you have questions and, about that, let us know. Yeah, and pay attention because uh, a lot of these products that we, especially the combination products we used on armyworms this summer, uh, had chlorophyll in them. Yeah, yeah, that's where uh, I think that's where I saw Laura's ban. Multiple mode of action product. Yep, yep. They it was had, mentioned as a as a as a possible solution for those them, so. so if you've got a little left over from this year you're not going to be able to use it after february so yeah well we also we also saw i'm sorry go ahead no i was going to say i guess the other thing that i noticed too was that gramoxone now is they're going to require it to be in a closed system and i don't know are you some of you yeah. already doing that or is that well new? that was all part of uh the label change to it that requires okay. the uh, the online paraquat training and mm -hmm. uh, apparently there's a a, a no contact uh, jug system where like you have no possibility of ever getting in contact with that chemical. Mm -hmm. But the it's like a special you need to be able to to open the jugs that you can't get a hold of. You can't get so I don't yeah. know. Yes. So, and or, or evident, I bet it's, I, it, to me, it sounded like it's exclusively for the people who buy the product and they don't want any extra out there because yeah. they wouldn't even, even our 
pesticide specialist, like they wouldn't even let him have the an example of what this thing will look like. Um, so yeah, that'll be, hopefully that's not some kind of supply problem and they'll have enough of those. Um, but to me, I think it really was more of a, just, they didn't want to give it to just anybody. They just wanted to make sure the people that had the chemical were the ones getting those, um, yeah. those, those lids, but it well, did look, it looked kind of freaky because it was like this little special key that sort of goes in there and you got to turn it upside down and turn the jug. And I don't know, I wonder, I wonder if we'll see more stuff going to that, to yeah. that kind of under- system understand it prevents it or you know it has its challenges if you're a producer using it but I guess you know they said what there was 17 deaths or something in the last 15 years I guess yeah all the and all the deaths were from ingestion so they were from you know they weren't from like you know they weren't they they didn't really have anything to do with it being sprayed per se Mm -hmm. most of it was because somebody poured it in a container and accidentally ingested it right but still, still a dangerous, dangerous chemical that we need to mm-hmm. really be And in a normal using. year, this this wouldn't be all that big of a deal. But it seems like we're going to have glyphosate shortages, possibly some glufosinate shortages. I've already heard uh, of a few retail guys and salesmen suggesting to people to just plan on using Paraquat for burn down to try and ration glyphosate this spring. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we've got that going going with us. There might be more paraquat used this spring than there ever has been, which really isn't a good thing because it's mm-hmm. one of the more dangerous chemicals we can handle. But just make sure if if that has to be part of your plan going into the spring that you have that paraquat training taken care of. It's all online. We can help get you hooked up with that. It's a link that's about five million jumbled up characters long so it's not real easy to just give over google the, over the air here but uh yeah we can we can get you hooked up uh get you the link to that training get you taken care of if you think that's an option you're gonna have to rely on and make sure you get one of these jug dispensing units apparently because otherwise you're not going to be able to open that jug a couple other things on the pesticides that were talked about there's some changes um commercial uh, pesticide and they, and they actually are to the commercial uh, applicator process, you know, the, the different tests you have to take for that. Uh, seems like private applicators is going to be pretty much the same. There were a few new things with that, uh, but there's some fees that are going up for commercial applicators. Um, now, most of our audience listening are probably private applicators and that's not too much of a concern for them. Uh, but I did think it was interesting to note that this is uh, some of these changes were coming from legislation. And uh, this is the first time since 1978 that a bill was passed in Kentucky about pesticides. How long ago was that? That was before I was born. It's like 1970. 78. 78. Yeah. They said it was the last time it was brought forth in the legislature in order to get anything changed so on the pesticides. Like 45 years? Yeah. It's a long time. A lot. Mm-hmm. 1978 hasn't been 45 years ago. Uh, do your math. Do you want me to show you how to do addition, Matt Adams? <laughs> yeah. 43? It's been a while. Maybe it's off by twos. I said 45-ish. When you say ish, it gives you room to be wrong. I was (laughs) doing the math in in my head, and I was born in 88, and I knew I was sure. I didn't think I was 35 yet. I had to stop and think about that one for a minute. Mm -hmm. Y'all were making me older than I needed to be. 
Oh, okay. I see. I see. But yeah, it's still been a long time. And like I said, in order to get anything changed on even, you know, fees and uh, other things that they needed to update, it had to go through legislature. So I just thought you're, you're right. I thought that that was interesting and they have to still send all that stuff to EPA and they got to send it back. And so it's been a process and they've been working on it, but it's still going to, they're, they're working on getting that finished up. I guess another kind of interesting thing is that on that line is that there are other states that allow non-certified applicators. So if, if basically that means if you are working under someone that's got their certified uh, pesticide license that you didn't have to have, you're certified also. And that was in Kentucky, you had to have that. And now I think they're going, when, once this gets passed, they might be able to, if you're working under a certified pesticide, um, chemical card holder, you will not have to have that certification also. So I thought that was interesting too. Yeah. And we'll break that down a little more when we get around to doing those pesticide applications. I think yeah. some of that stuff is still yet to be finalized, but, mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, we'll break that down a little more when we get closer to it, if you're confused about that. So I did think, I thought that was kind of interesting to see some stuff was changing. Um, and I, and I don't think anything was really changing for the worse. It seemed like there were changes that were probably needed to be made. I would agree with that. What else, anything else that we talked about that y'all thought was, that caught your attention? Yeah, we caught uh, some updates from the new Grain Crops Extension Associate out of the Forage and Grain Center for Excellence in Princeton. Dr. Uh, Connor. Connor no, he's not a doctor. He's not um, a doctor. Yeah, they, they made Connor Raymond. Yeah, and we saw him walking around. We're like, who's that guy? We thought he was another extension agent. And but yeah, it turns out yeah he's he's doing the uh, what what was his title again? Grain crops, grain crops associate. associate. Yeah, mm -hmm. he is. Well, no, he's not. Never mind. Forget I said that. I was gonna say he's like the Kevin Laurent of the beef extension group, but Kevin is now he is an ex associate specialist, I think. So, so I liked. Um, this uh connor he had some interesting stuff to share that i think is important especially coming up in the next few years when we do if we continue to deal with high input prices um and, and i think we're probably going to have him on the show sometime to talk about this a little more in detail uh, but i think um matt correct me if i'm wrong but we had uh, talked about some foliar fertilizer applications mm -hmm. and it was a multi-state multi-year multi i think maybe 26 locations yeah. and uh multiple products basically um you know foliar fertilizer applications or don't really have any significant effect on on crops especially soybeans yeah, they, i think was they could was soybeans any, yeah soybeans couldn't find any significant difference in yield hmm. and that's important some feelings yeah but it's it's important to know there there might we, I'll, I'll grant you there may be situations where you'll see differences, but, you know, in these. Well, and like the way he put it, he said, I'm not trying to tell you it's not going to work on your farm, but over multiple university sites across the country, multiple years, we couldn't get it to work on ours. Right. And it did. Uh, let's see. Um. Just went blank. Uh, 
Oh, well, when we're dealing with these high input prices, sometimes you get people that'll think, oh, well, you know what? I may just cut back on that, uh, that phosphorus or you know, diap or potash application and try to save a little money. Maybe I'll just hit it with fo- something foliar that'll be a little cheaper per acre and may buy me some time. But yeah, that's, that's, no, you know, this shows that's that. not gonna, that's not gonna cut it. It's not gonna help you. It's really not gonna have an effect at all on your, uh, on your yields. So don't, don't try to do that. (laughs) Uh, Another thing that Connor is working on that he shared with us, uh, they're doing a lot of studies on early planting dates with soybeans. Uh, That's something that's been big in our part of the state. There was another term he mentioned. It was actually ultra early. Ultra early. Yes. I like that Hmm. term. Yeah. Like or ultra early as in when is when are they planting? It's just in May. just like I as guess maybe we probably could have put some uh, slang terms in that we could have called that bougie early. <laughs> didn't we say it was like extra and extra. yeah, yeah. kind of like ultra? Yeah, no, I guess that won't work. But there were some interesting interesting comments from other agents across the state when we were just kind of discussing that in the room about you know how. Seems to be, you know, we've got more and more people planting planting early beans. And I, what was the date, Matt, that they said even on uh, at Princeton that they tried to plant? They were trying uh, to plant beans at some point. March I think it was 10th in February. when they did get them planted. He said he would have planted February 10th, but he couldn't. It yeah, they had a window or something of time where they almost, you know, they were going to try to get them in the ground just to see what would happen. So we're not saying to everybody, go out there and plant your beans in, in February. Right. But, but and I think I think their main focus of this research is to find out that it's probably a different ball game when you plant. You know, even if you're looking at that early April, uh, you're going to use some management strategies that are going to be a little different. There's going to be some things that are going to have a little more likely to pay back uh, versus if you plant those beans in mid-May when the soils are warm and and drier. So. So a few things that he he also discussed, um, I think Chad Lee had given him some uh, harvest data, which I guess come from it come from the NAS figures that I guess we could all really look at if we had to. But since he showed them, I thought they were kind of interesting to that we could talk about. Um, I think we would all agree. And I, and I think everybody in the uh, in the room was agreeing that harvest was a little bit behind. Um, and, it, and it's kind of a thing that showed across the state that it was a little bit behind. And, oh, it looked like corn I know was one thing. Be, go ahead. Yeah, one thing that he mentioned and that got brought up in that room and just, you know, I kind of judge talking to some agents from across the state that we don't see very often, don't talk to very often, that, you know, corn yields are pretty good. Uh, and all of them are a little better than expected. Are a lot better than expected. So, uh, I think our forecast final corn yield is 180 bushels per acre, and they said that would, wouldn't it? Uh, no, it was one, 180 or okay. yield is estimated. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Yield is estimated at a record high of 185. You are correct. Oh, boom. But Drop the very line. next line says, if the final yield is 180 bushels per acre or more, it will only be the second time that the state average has, re- has been at least 180, and the other time was last year when it was 184. So it's been a I'm good couple of years. Yeah, been a, been a real good couple of years. 
and I think you're seeing that, but it'll be, you know, like I said, there's still a lot of corn out. And and really, it's been a good three years because if you uh, if that yeah. production forecast hangs on, it'll be the the three largest Kentucky corn harvest will have occurred in 21, 20, and 19 mm-hmm. in that order. But but a little something I noticed that skews the numbers a little bit on that 2019 was a big corn year as far as acreage acreage yeah. so that boosted production yield was actually down in 2019 because especially our area had a pretty bad bad drought late summer of 2019 mm-hmm. and corn corn yields were down so uh, that was mainly the production increase was mainly from a acreage increase i feel like 2019 was 10 years ago not two <laughs> feels that way doesn't it yeah <clears throat> But I think on the on the harvest side, they were estimating we're probably about 10 percent behind on corn harvest. But soybeans were kind of right on target. I think beans were really just starting to to get after them here here now. So there's um, they're not particularly behind, but we are a little behind on the corn. And Daniel, I've just got to I got to point something out. I can't believe you haven't taken this opportunity to call me out on being wrong. I'm I'm just holding my cards, Matt. You got to know when to hold them. <laughs> but do you know what I'm talking about? Uh, about the crop? Yeah. Yeah, I know. Something you made I your prediction early on. I think there's been yeah. like two or three episodes now where I said, I think you're wrong. And and you said, no, I think I'm yeah. right. So I just, sometimes you just got to know when to hold them and know when to fold them, man. So are you folding them right now? No. Okay. Oh my goodness. Yeah, it's, but it's shocked me what's, come out of the field so far and what we're seeing yeah uh, and, and and it can and change talk, talk it can change with, a lot in a week it could yeah. but talking with farmers and talking with agents down here even just looking at the crop looking at the crop from the combine seat you can't believe that the yield is there that's there but uh it's good crop yeah it's a good crop it's a wet crop and that's something common all across the state as well uh and that's another thing that Connor brought up that, that they're hearing and kind of encouraging from across the state is storage is kind of key this year and grain drying capacity is kind of key. Mm-hmm. Uh, and those producers that have the storage and have the grain drying capacity are being able to go on and, and roll through harvest. And those that don't are slowly plugging along. And agents, agents all across the state mentioned um corn being slow to dry down and everybody's yep. waiting on the dryer i mean that is a common very common i mean we're having that problem here and it's it's common everywhere yep. seems to be on the soybean side um i don't i didn't really i couldn't remember it didn't seem like it was gonna it's hard to forecast what beans are gonna do um but it yep. seems like they're gonna be good and they're gonna be you know a pretty decent crop but I, and the forecasted yield was exactly the same as last year i feel like that right. was kind of a just an easy number to throw out there. Yeah, it was just kind of easy guess. Let's just roll with what we had last time. Yeah. Uh, but I, w- I will say we're seeing uh, just some local issues that I think are we're probably going to start popping up maybe in some of these later maturing beans. And I don't know what, if these double crops will be a, a problem or not, but uh, stink bugs in the uh, especially the outside of the fields. Uh, I've had some a phone call or two this week about – or two phone calls this week about – uh, empty pods or black beans or shriveled up beans. Uh, that's 
very likely stink bug damage that's that's happening. It's luckily it's only the outside of the field, so it's not. I don't think it's bad. It's not really bad on a field average, but I think you know it is going to bring that field average down a little bit. And that was another thing. It seems. Yeah, like, I remember that uh, that outside but, round is the biggest round. Yes. Yeah. It so it, it hurts. It's not devastating, but it does. But it's hurt. not and, a disaster. And, but it, and it could be something we may need to get used to. Because mm-hmm. I don't know that these things are going anywhere unless we just finally have a really bad winter. Matt, you won't. You don't want a hard winter, and I'm telling you, we need to have a good, hard, cold winter. But and I don't. I don't know that it's coming, based on the what we're hearing. Never say never. You know, forecast. Oh, I'm not. I'm not knocking it. I'm just saying. You know, everything I'm reading is, you know, they're saying that they're not projecting it to be extra cold, but you never know. Stranger things have happened. It's not going to be bougie cold. Daniel, if you get your, get your cold winter, you're going to be, are you ready to start digging cheap out of the snow? Or, <laughs> and that, probably it snows about three inches and they're not going to be able to get around, right? You'll just put them in the barn. Yeah, I don't know. They, they go in the barn, but if I, if I get more than three inches on, of snow on my barn, I don't know if it's a good place for them. It might fall down. <laughs> <laughs> I hear it had a good carpenter to work on it. It did. Uh Whitney, you were in a beef um kind of a beef focused meeting. What what were some things that they yeah. talked about in there? Well, there's they just kind of updated on some of the master finisher programs that are going on across the state. Obviously, we have one and I uh, the first one starts on this Tuesday night we're recording uh, and then they'll have one um, I think once a once a month is it once a month yeah and if you virtual? and if you didn't get signed up for that there's still time you can still sign up for that and yes. participate they will have those recorded um, but I think it's like the mm-hmm. second or third Tuesday of each month something like that that they'll have those with a few yeah yeah with a few in-person uh, programs in January that we'll have in our area Right. And so we're, uh, they talked a little bit about that and how that came about because, you know, there's been a lot of people asking for that. And the other thing they talked about was uh, Dr. Anderson's uh, Beef Extend app that's supposedly still in beta testing. And so that they're looking forward to that coming out here in the next year or so. And that honestly is going to be a really neat thing. I think once we can get it, once it gets launched, you know, the, a great record keeping option for producers that are out there and, and it's got the producer's frame of mind behind it so I think that it'll be pretty user-friendly it's also a good way to keep up with extension programs yes it will be it will be absolutely and so just be on the lookout for that here in the next um, several months I know they're behind on it and I know he was frustrated talking about it but they you know technology is what it is so just be on the lookout for that uh, the other thing that the beef extension group is coming up with is, is a, a beef systems analyzer. And I think it's going to encompass several different, it's almost like a budgeting tool, but it's also going to incorporate some other uh, production factors in, in it as well. And so uh, the beef extension team, Dr. Bullock, uh, Dr. Van Valen, uh, Dr. Lim Cooler, uh, Kenny Burdine and all of them, they're, they are working together collectively to get that. And it'll be, once it's completed, uh, they'll train us agents on it and then we'll uh, have that available on their on their website and kind of a comprehensive overview if you will and then also um, 
just we the final part of that was I don't know if you guys ever used the beef uh, it, it's the beef ration formulator there is a, a thing that we use to help with producers that need help with rations and they just did a technical update on that and you know I think that's a good tool that I think a lot of producers don't realize that we have access to and I'm not saying that it's going to be 100% perfect and we do run them by the specialist you may come into the office and say I've got this hay sample and I've got this feed that I'm wanting to use and we can plug that in and work a, a ration out or a supplement out for producers and you know but we also run it by the specialist before we send it back. And so that that program has gone through a little bit of update. And like I said, I think it's a useful tool for producers um, and a good way for us to kind of know what what's out there and what feed stuffs folks are using and what's working for cattle producers. But that was about it on the on the beef update, update side. Good deal. We also had a little weed ID training. <laughs> yeah, we and did, had a, didn't we? Had, had a pretest, didn't we? Yeah, we did. I mean, you could call it a pretest. I mean, everybody would just kind of hand their answers just out in the open and we're talking yeah, about right. the answers. It wasn't very some people cheated. Some people cheated. I'll call yeah, them they out did. too. They used Wasn't their no phone. cheating in this group. There may uh, be one that his cheat. I think his name rhymes with Sprat Spratums. <laughs> <laughs> Did you cheat no cheating that? going on here. Um, you just know your stuff, huh? Just a little smackdown being laid upon the coach of the number one agronomy team in the world, apparently. Mm, mm, mm. All right, so let's let's look at this for a second. The coach Matt. may need okay. a little coaching. What kind of weeds were these? Were these pasture weeds? Basically, they were they were pasture weeds. We, they were mainly pasture. pasture weeds. And weed you know what? You know what? On on in my pastures, I think there's like two weeds that were on that those tables that I know because they're on my farm. Now, I guess you just have a lot more of these weeds that you deal with on on uh, Adams Farms there, and also in Hardin County, um, Larue County. We just don't we don't see that many weeds like that, so I don't have to know. Maybe you see them, you just don't know what they are. I was going to say that, or you must have very well maintained pastures. I think they have a good agent over here. That we have a good agent over here in Larue County, and. We just got we got really clean fields, you know. If you know, we do have some buttercup, but buttercup wasn't on this test. Um, I don't know. Uh, I think I, what it wasn't was it? No, no, it wasn't. It was not. I think, uh, but it is. Know, if they were crop weeds, Matt. I think you'd have been hurting. Mm-hmm. But I'll, I'll let you have this little small victory. But like I said, you bring your scout team, and it's on. <laughs> oh Lordy mercy! I will say though. There were several weeds on there that Dr. Green had recently plucked out of fields on his way here that were a little concerning that they were already showing their ugly heads, if you ask me. But also pretty good time to talk about them, you know, considering if they're growing now actively, is this a good time to spray them? Well, side note, there were a few weeds that were actually look like they've been pulled six months ago. That he, <laughs> he had on there. It's kind of hard to tell. There come the excuses. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, tall iron weed did not look purple. <laughs> it looked brown. Yeah. Well, I think I told Matt which one that one was. I think I told him that one was tall iron weed and he wrote it down. Well, and then also, if you think about it, with so uh, that- Les Padiza was on there and that's not 
I mean, you can call that a weed if you want to, but maybe it's not a weed. Anything can be a weed if you don't want it. That's it's true. not where it's supposed to be. That's right. Well, I got that one right because I see a lot of that. It's a lot of that's on my farm, but my sheep actually eat it. Broom sage was also on that test. Yeah. My sheep Are don't we? eat that. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Oh, they'll eat ironweed too. Just about, just about every weed that's on there, my sheep eat, except for the thistles <laughs> and the broom yeah. sage. Which those were, there were a couple different, you know, I was going to say, there's a couple different thistles that he identified today. And, you know, there's a lot of different weeds. But I guess the main one that, the two that I was a little concerned with, or well, the one I was concerned with is poison hemlock is already growing again. And, and even thistle too. And it's, you know, the argument today, or not the argument, but the discussion today was, you know, 60-40 rule. So is now the time, and he's even seeing buttercup again in the fall uh, in some pastures, is is now a good time to spray. Best time to spray thistles right now. Yeah. And so if you're listening and you have, I would encourage folks to go out and see and look in their pastures. I know, you know, that might be hard to do, but it's, it might be, be a good opportunity for you to go out and see actually what is growing because if you can get an application on now while we have good weather that may save you a little bit of extra trouble I mean I would there's still going to be reasons to spray in the spring but it might help you get a hold on it quicker and they're actively growing right now so it's a good time yeah so we had talked about problem weeds you know we were sent a survey and we basically talked about it on the show which ones were the top ones and and as he went over the results from the state I think we were pretty much right along with what he was saying it seemed like poison hemlock and buttercup were at the top as far as kind of new mm-hmm. um, problem weeds that were a problem for for most of the state while um, maybe tall ironweed and, and thistles uh, were right underneath that and thistles had kind of moved down the list some so evidently we we're doing a little better job with that uh, I thought that yeah. was interesting that, you know, what we discussed was basically kind of what most of the state was, was seeing right now. And he, and he said too, that he did the survey back in like 2008. Is that right, Matt? East of 2008. And he was, I think it's right. he was interested to see that a lot of the same weeds were on there, but he ranked them. They were ranked differently. And so, right. but tall ironweed was still one that was, prevalent <laughs> I, don't, I don't and we don't really know why but he said he thought that was kind of interesting so one of the weeds we're probably going to kind of segue out of the the agent update a little bit but one of the weeds that was on there was mm-hmm. johnson grass which i don't yeah. consider that i mean i know that's not wanted in a lot of situations but i didn't wasn't even thinking about that as being a weed whenever i saw it even though i know it is but um mm-hmm probably a good time to give some reminders because we had a little touch of did y'all have any frost this week like, like or i guess over the weekend little, or this week there was a little frost on the way like, well there was there was some coming on down on the parkway this morning i saw so i mean it's it's here yeah i had spot. some some there's some roofs around that had that had little little frost on them so um i guess it, it's probably a good time to do some reminders about how to handle those um Johnson grass and some, what are, are there some others that we have to worry about? That, that's the main one, I guess, that we worry about this time of year. Yeah. What's, I mean, what's the typical rule on a light frost like that on Johnson grass? After a burn back frost, it can be toxic for at least 10 days and possibly longer. 10 days. Yeah. 10 days is kind of that, the, the time frame, but two weeks is a little bit more than 10 days. So you got that possibly longer part there. Mm-hmm. So yeah, two weeks after getting a little 
you know, a little touch of frost, but typically I'd say we're probably going to get more frost. And when you get more frost, that 10 days starts over again. Isn't that right? Yes. Yes. It does. Technically it does. It can be argued, but I I mean, I'm always going to tell producers to err on the side of caution. I think I've said this till I'm blue in the face that, you know, if you've got the opportunity and you've got Johnson grass out there in your pastures and you're concerned about it, get them out until it's, Done, yeah, you know. and and Matt, you you could might could tell me if I'm wrong here, but I know sometimes that Johnson grass seems to be the first things that cattle go for. So it's mm-hmm. I think it's more yeah. important if you're getting ready to move them. You don't want to move them to a yeah. field that's just had that going on. If they're in a field where it's been, I'd say it's more than likely they've probably eaten eaten right. eaten that down. Um, I don't remember if that does that prussic acid tend to be higher concentrations closer to the ground. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yes, so, it does. Either way, it we got to go by that well, recommendation. And growth. Right. Yeah. yeah. And, well, and, you know, if you've got just a sporadic patch here and there, you're, they're probably not going to bother. You're probably going to be okay. Yeah. There is going to be a little risk there, but don't turn them into a solid field of Johnson. Right. Or, a you know, a field or that's got a decent sized patch. Or grass. If right. you've still got any of that, any yeah. of your sorghum species, don't turn them into it also what about hay because i saw some hay down just yesterday so it'll dissipate out of the hay yeah yeah well whitney you haven't been home much at all this week no i think were you at kentucky women and ag conference yesterday i was i've this is (laughs) tell us a little bit about what you learned there uh, yeah, well, I mean, I went to, of course, Kentucky Women in Ag is an organization geared towards women. There were a f- several gentlemen there yesterday also, uh, but this group has their annual meeting, and it's like-minded individuals, all in agriculture, all different walks of life, and the annual conference was in, it's actually still going on, it's in Lexington this week, and I went and sat in on, they have several different seminars for, uh, you know, for the folks that attend. And a couple of the ones that I sat in on were um, for ag literacy. So I do, I don't know if you guys do in your counties, I'm sure y'all get into the school systems for a few different things and reasons, but um, I work a whole lot with my 4-H agent on ag literacy in the elementary schools. And so I went and got some new information on that, got to, Talk to several folks in the different organizations across the state. I know that uh, Farm Service Agency was represented, uh, Kentucky Department of Agriculture, and a few of those different um, organizations. Farm Bureau was there. I got to see our uh, our, our new beef rep out there, uh, Renee Carrico. She was she was there and uh, trying to talk her into becoming more involved in it as well. So anyway, it was a good program and. Um, like I said, it was today is actually Tuesday. They have said today is uh, been declared Kentucky Women in Agriculture Day. So yep, that's why that was I was bringing that up. Yeah, so yeah, I know uh, we we have a lot of women in agriculture that listen to the show, so we want to say thank you to that. Mm-hmm. Yep, thank you. I tried to text a lot of them today and was like, "Happy Kentucky Women in Ag Day." And they're like, what? And they didn't know what you were <laughs> talking know what I was talking about. I was like, well, it said it was it was said it was on Facebook. So I know it was true. I know, yeah. I know it's right. It's, it's Kentucky it was, Women and Ag. They're probably too busy to be on Facebook, so they hadn't caught it. Yeah, yeah we're just no, sitting there in a meeting looking into doing nothing but looking at Facebook when we're supposed to be listening. Well, yeah. I think that 
they've done several proclamations across the state, you know, in several communities. And so yesterday the commissioner of agriculture was there and they deemed today as uh, Kentucky Women's and Agriculture Day. And so, yeah, those of you ladies out there that are um, making farm work and if you're not the main operator, you're the one behind the scenes making everything work. And um, you are what I call the chaos coordinator, like I said a minute ago. And so um, appreciate everybody that, that is involved in that. Along those lines, did you all see the kind of discussion? I think it was mainly on Twitter about the term farm mom or farm wife, not farm mom. It was farm wife and whether that's outdated and should we still be using that? And it's kind of interesting to read some of those comments. Yeah. Well, I have opinions on it, but they're not for podcasts, but it's a, uh, you know, I think that we all have different roles to play and you, if you, you want to be called farm wife, then by all means, if you don't, then don't. So I think some people would be proud to be considered a farm wife or a farm mom. Well, in my eyes, a farm wife is an honor to be mm -hmm. called really because i mean i've said it before with my wife she can basically do anything on the farm and does do anything on the farm mm -hmm. and then takes care of a lot of other stuff that i don't have time or the nurturing ability i guess to take care <laughs> I, of uh, uh -huh. along the way so it's kind of a kind of an honor i, I would yeah. think i don't think it's derogatory at all but no i don't either i don't know why I mean, I can see why it could be taken the wrong way, but I, I've never really taken it that way. Well, well and I, I think it mainly went back to instances where the actually the wife or the the lady on the farm is the sole operator or the primary operator. And maybe the husband or the dad or somebody else has another job and just helps on the side. And uh, so she's she's the farm boss wife. How about that? Yeah, there you mm -hmm. go. Well, and I'll say this too. I do think it's interesting. We're talking about women in agriculture that I, I don't know if you all have looked at your county statistics recently, but I was flabbergasted at how, how many more female operators are in my county in the last, since the last census. And I'm not going to quote the numbers because I can't remember it, but it was, it was something along the lines of like 30%. It was, it was crazy. And, you know, I know some of those are probably widows that own you know, property and have filled out or their landowners, if you will. But I mean, there's still a lot of, there's still a lot of female operators out there. Yeah. So we probably ought to talk about a few things um, and we'll, we'll talk about them in more detail in later weeks. Uh, but if, uh, if any of y'all familiar with EQIP uh, through the Natural Resource Conservation Service, I think they've got a deadline coming up here in early November. Um, they don't have many people signed up. So if that's something that uh, uh, you've signed up for before, know a little bit about, you might want to give them a call and, uh, and, and see about getting signed up for that. Or if you have questions about it, give them a call. Well, we might get in. We didn't have time this week, but we may get into that more in next week's show and talk about that program and maybe some things that might work for you on your farm um, with that program. And then also uh, tax exempt forms. I had yeah. to. I think I had to cut this out of the show last week for time because we were like ten minutes over. So we we'll talk about that again. I was going to ask if we were just going to mention this every week from here, from now until January. We can't say we didn't do our diligence. So yeah, the the tax exempt forms. If you haven't yet, uh, you need to fill a form out uh, to get a tax exempt number so that you can purchase things 
uh, by, you know, tax exempt. So make sure you get that done. If you have questions, let us know. And pay attention to your mail because I've even seen some of the farm supply stores in the last couple of weeks uh, sending that form out. And think I think if you get it to the store, they're even offering to to submit that for you to go on and help you out a little bit, uh, mm-hmm. especially if you don't have internet ex- access or you're not uh, real tech savvy, uh, not real internet or computer savvy, then they can help you with that. It's one of those easy things. It's easy to kind of push off and think, oh, I still got a while, but you really need to get that done and get that get that taken care of. Um, what else, y'all? We we probably have we do we have any tie-ins? Hardin, have we mentioned anything? Hardin County else? Cape. Hardin, Hardin County, County Cape. Cape. Hardin County Cape. Just yell it from the mountaintops, Matt. Uh that's what we need to do. So I guess make sure everybody knows about it. So Hardin County Cape program uh gets signed up before October 29th. That's the last day that we will take applications. Uh, 4.30 October 29th, if you try and come in, I think that next Monday would be November 1st with one. We're not going to take it. One of those things that everybody waits to the last minute. I'm guilty of doing that myself on things, but just make sure you go on and get that in. Yeah. <laughs> so we need a song to wrap the show up today. I don't know what we even tie in today. I've got one. Well, go for it, Matt. What you got? So we've we've all been traveling this week, right? Yeah. Yeah, we've all been doing a little traveling. It's kind of the the road show this week. Mm -hmm. Sure. So are you looking for songs about traveling? No, I've got it. I'm just trying to. Because if you say on the road again, I'm going to say no. What about the 18? No. We're not. Got it. Rambling Man, Waylon Jennings. Rambling Man. Well, see, I was going to say King of the Road. Did nobody like my song choice or? I, I, like, I like either one of them. Either one. Hmm. It's hard to beat Waylon though. That's true. It is. Well, I think we can get that. I think we can make that happen. Yeah. All right. Well, that's about all the time we got for today. Uh, if y'all listen, thank you all for listening. If you need anything else, call your local extension office. We'll be glad to help you. We'll be back in. We'll be back in the latter part of this week. I guess Matt Whitney. We'll see you all next week. All right. See you.